Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a sedentary session of some slightly cynical so-and-so serenading you with a series of suggestions of why Norwich have sidelined their setbacks and climbed into second place. It's just piggles and punt today, so let's get started. The season's only five weeks old. I've decided we've seen enough football to give out some early season ratings to player and manager. Uh, so we're going from back to front. So Johnny, punny, punny, punt, punt. Can you give me a rating out of 10 and your wise for Timmy, Timmy Cruel? Oh, yeah. Timothy. I mean, Timothy is probably one of my favourite humans in the Norwich City squad. And given we've talked about this, that we didn't necessarily think that it was a squad full of um, characters. I think he definitely is one, but that doesn't really feed into what we're talking about, does it? It's For Tim, I think he's made a solid start not necessarily a brilliant start. His save the other day against, hang on, who is it? We beat 1-0 Sunderland. His save Sunderland. against Sunderland for the volley that he tipped on the bar, which the bar. You, don't even, you don't even see in real time that he's got a touch to that, was peak. I mean, it was absolute vintage Tim Krull. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, and he has, on a couple of occasions, kept us in games. I think I'll probably go for a seven. You know, there's been times where his distribution hasn't been great. Uh, there's been times when he's been pressured and, and perhaps he's conceded possession when we didn't need to. I haven't seen a whole lot of errors that have perhaps led to goals, but there's probably a bit more to come from Krull. Um, yeah, all be all being well. Quite a funny uh, moment last night with Deeney. He decided uh, Krull decided relatively early. You can't, early in you the can't game. call him Deeney. Oh, you do mean Troy Deeney? I thought you meant you're talking about Dean Smith. I was like, I'm <laughs> severely worried that you've gone to that level of nickname. So no, what no, the no. fuck? Deeney. <laughs> Shaky's like, bad enough, but Deeney, fuck about. Shaky and Deeney. Um, no, I might do that from now on because it is cringeworthily <laughs> bad. Um, no, Troy Deeney, uh, last night, uh, relatively early in the first half, uh, Tim Krull tried to do the shepherd out of play manoeuvre and Troy Deeney being Troy Deeney was like, I'm four times the thickness and girth of you across my entire body. You are not going to be able to do this and basically pushed Cruel into uh, conceding the corner. Had that had gone in from the resulting corner, I think a lot of fingers would have been pointed. There has been a couple of moments distribution-wise where where he's looked a little bit more rushed um, because teams have tried to press Norwich because particularly in the first half before we've kind of got on top of teams, that has been a time, that has been a way to, to make, make force us into mistakes. Um, but I, I think uh, I think you've been fair um, on, on him. Moving on to to Angus, um, I think you know he, he has played two meaningful games for us, and therefore he he, he deserves a rating. Uh, and I would say that I would rate him at um, an eight out of ten in terms of what he's been asked to do. Um, he gets. I would say his performances have have neither been incredible or dreadful in any way, which would be kind of the the seven mark. However, he gets the bonus point for penalty heroics. Um, nothing he could have done uh, in the Bournemouth shootout. I mean, they were all absolutely fantastic. He nearly got his hand to one of them, but it was right in the corner. Um, so you can't take that away from him. So so I, I think he's, I'm still very comfortable personally that Cruel is the best keeper we have at the club. Saves like the one you mentioned on Saturday against Sunderland being case in point. And also... There is an element of the character side of things. He he has been there, seen it, done it with us, um, you know, more so than Gunn has. Uh, and you see the way he interacts with O'Neill last night and Max Aarons often and, and Hanley. 
there is a leadership element there that whilst Gunn may have that in, may be the, the, the eventual successor to, to Krull, and I'd be very happy with that. And it may be in four or five years' time, Gunn is that senior figure in the, in the dressing room. But there's a way they look up to Krull like a bit of a daddy, um, which I think you can see on the pitch. Don't you agree? I think we saw that. We physically saw that actually when we did the podcast with with Tim and with Ben Godfrey, that Ben Godfrey spoke glowingly about his leadership skills and he brought... He almost brought Max Ahrens and Ben Godfrey and Jamal Lewis through. And I think had we not had that that kind of really stable, um, you know, kind of force at the back, then they probably wouldn't have been as settled as they were. And he's now doing that potentially with Omar Bamadeli as well. You know, we've got to remember that this lad is 20 years old and I'm mm. sure we'll get onto him in a moment. But he's a phenomenal defender you know, and has been absolutely brilliant. And to get back to your rating of Angus, I'd, I'd agree with the eight. Um, I'd say also, you know, just honourable mention to the fact that he probably kept us in that game against Bournemouth and, and took it two penalties and his penalty heroics in the previous round. Yeah, definitely merit an eight and maybe even an eight and a half. He, he's, I would agree with you that Cruel is definitely the the goalkeeper um, that should should be retaining the number one shirt for now, but. And Dean Smith has mentioned it in press conferences. He really wants to see them battling it out. He really wants to them to be pushing each other. Um, and that, that can only be a good thing because when Krull was pushed previously in the Premier League, and we're talking about when Ralph... So Ralph Fearman came in from, from Schalke, like he really... Krull elevated his game to another level. And we've just got to hope that perhaps Angus can can extract that from him as well. Well, moving on to, to Max, who you mentioned briefly and going into right back uh, before we, we tackle the centre backs. Um, I'll be, Max, here, be Max, here for a while with the left backs as well, mate. Well, this is, this, this, that's a separate um, sub series of pods, like a, like a true crime <laughs> series of pods just on our left back situation. Yeah. Um, we were, um, I, I was, oh, no, we'll come to that in a second. Uh, uh, with Max, I, I want to I be strong here and, and give Max a, a nine. Um, and Ooh. he's he's my only nine, I think, that there's going to be today. Um, but I just i am really loving the energy, enthusiasm, the anger, the aggression. Last night, case in point, um, uh, the two or three brilliant um, uh, videos uh, of people from the stands and the, the City View kind of stuff of uh, the, the winning goal at uh, St Andrews. And... I love watching Max celebrate goals because he's one of those that celebrates almost with equal vigour if he's um, put, sticking it to the opposition fans. And he was getting, you, you could hear on the kind of effects, Mike, it's very quiet most of the time at St Andrews last night, which was mentioned a lot in commentary and, and fair play to, to a decent number that went up there, wasn't able to, to go up there. I was there for the, I was there the last time O'Neill <laughs> scored an away, uh, away goal kind of last minute. Um, but... Uh, I, I you could see kind of the aggression that, that Max was, was celebrating with because he had been receiving quite a lot of abuse, I think, down that sideline, constantly looking to get forward this season. In our worst performances, he has been, um, I don't think he's earned any criticism at all. I don't think he's been slow to play the ball. He seems to be the first one of all of the 11 on the pitch at any point to get frustrated when we're playing too slowly. Um He's got a sort of almost pantomime thigh slap thing he does with both hands when he's getting a little bit cross that, that the ball isn't moving, he hasn't got anywhere to go to. And, and he's had a bit of a revolving door in front of him in terms of you know being able to, to create a relationship with, with, with a wide player in front of him. So 
I, I don't think you can. Um, you know, ten would be he scored some. He scored more than one goal, maybe, um, or assisted a bit more. Like maybe some. Like last night, he had a really good opportunity to put the ball across, and it was it was too too hard, and he hit it too high after a brilliant kind of almost self-assist to get himself through. He lofted the ball over the defender's head and ran through. And then, the, you know, basically the adrenaline was pumping so much, he, he cannoned the ball across the box. I would say that's the only place you can take a mark off at the moment, his final delivery. Other than that, he's been anything you would want from a championship fullback. Tell me I'm wrong, punt. No, I can't. And I, you know I like telling you that you're wrong. Um, I think with Max... It, that has always been the criticism that that maybe his output offensively hasn't been as as good as it should be. But actually, you could probably make the counter argument to that that he's got Tamu Puki in the box, and Puki isn't necessarily going to make the kind of runs that a fullback will traditionally find unless the crossing is of really high accuracy, fizzed into areas where where Puki's going to be there. Max has been, I think, our. our our most potent attacking outlet this season. He's the one who looks like he will take the game to the opposition, maybe with, with um, you know, Conunez as well. You know, that they've looked like they're the ones that are going to make things happen. And Max does, dare I say it, Max looks like he might be back to the 2018-19 Max Aarons, where, you know, he was a bit more cavalier. He did push on. And he also, you know, has added to the fact that I think, as you've mentioned there, he's, he's getting angry but I think he's starting to call out colleagues as well he's starting to demand higher standards from people he's maybe becoming a bit of a leader and he's he's always been someone who I've looked at and thought he looks a little bit surly and you know never really plays with a smile on his face does he it is an angry celebration or an angry tackle that he makes but he's let's say he's calling out other people now and that can only be healthy for a dressing room when we're winning. I think it's a bit more difficult when when times are tough and you've got someone who's angry and, and is digging people out. But when you're winning and you and you're really, uh, you know, you're making sure that people are on their game. I think it's it's brilliant. But yeah, you know, I'd, I'd maybe nine would be a little bit high for me, but um, eight eight and a half, but max. But he's been terrific. Well, staying at the high in the high numbers, um, I'll give you the opportunity to do a rating for Andy O. Um, after his uh, what the start of what is hopefully going to be a breakout season for him. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, this is going to be the season where he probably gets forty championship games under his belt because he looks like he's the first choice centre back now. He looks like he's the one that almost almost looks like he's assuming more of a leadership role than Hanley for me at, at the moment. You know, he's just so, and that's in the way that he plays. He's so composed he's stepping out of defense and he you know he's he's making meaningful contributions with the ball he just looks so relaxed in everything that he's done and and Hanley's great at the getting your head on the end of things or the last ditch stuff or you know just being a bit of a beast when you need him but Omabamadeli is just a really really calming influence in the defense and this is a time where actually defensively we have looked a little bit circumspect from time to time especially when we're pressured but he's never looked like the one short of maybe the one that Max cannoned against him which you can't really lay at his door I forget which goal that was that might have been the whole game maybe where we conceded and Max cannoned it against Omobamadeli but apart from that you know he's been um, you know kind of relatively relatively unruffled uh, throughout his campaign so far Uh, he could be an early tip I think for you know top three in the Barry Butler I think he's that good and I think he only gets better from here on in I'd, I'd go with Eight for um, for Omar Bamadeli as well. 
Um, I, I would go with a 7.5 purely on the basis that I think that actually he might be uh, someone who, come the end of the season, the reason he's in the conversation for the Barry Butler is because we, we he's only just beginning. And, and, and by February, March time, we're talking about him in terms of, oh my goodness me, even, even if we go up, I'm not sure we'll keep him. You know, because mm. I just feel that his ceiling is so high. Um there's a little bit of his, of him in terms of the leadership side of things. Um, he could have. He, he was very lucky last night. He instigated the pushing and shoving that resulted in a couple of, of yellow cards. Um, and he did the same thing in the Cardiff game. He was the one that raised his hands and then that's Hanley, right. And then Hanley got, got sent trouble. off. Yeah, yeah, so you're that's, right. That's two out of six league games where he's raised his arms and gone in. Now I like the fact that both times it was um, don't knock my mate over. But there is clearly maybe a bit of a maturity thing there, whereby you've got to be clever about when you do it. And 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 as the as as the the, the non Norwich Nunes saw, don't call it when the referee's already got his eyes on a situation. That's not the time to then lash out. Um, but you, met, you mentioned their Grant and kind of leadership thing. So to go on the Grant, I would um, I would give Grant a, a seven. Um, I've seen him control games better than he has so far from a kind of defensive point of view. And there have been a couple of situations where I wouldn't say it is your fault we conceded a goal because it's never truly, unless it's like a goalkeeper throwing it in or literally just giving the ball away like Gibson has a couple of times. Most goals are never down to just one player. But there has been a few aerial things where you think, cruel or Hanley, don't care who, but one of you has to take everything there and deal with it. And I just think he hasn't been quite as imperious as we've seen in, in seasons past so far. However... I am a lot happier when Grant Hanley is uh, on the team sheet at two o'clock or six forty-five, whenever it's announced. Um, any 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 kind of differences on seven for Hanley? Yeah, I think I'd go six. I think Ooh. there's been two or three goals. Not to his face, it, you wouldn't. No, no <laughs> certainly not. No, certainly not. No, I think I'd go six. And I think for Hanley, he's. I think he's been culpable for maybe more than you're letting on there. I think there's been two or three goals where I've been like, I'd really like to see you get a bit closer. I'd really like you to see you take ownership of, of a situation, not necessarily airily, but sometimes as it develops and he hasn't. And also his distribution has never been great. I think it's been quite poor this season thus far in terms of playing out of defence. Now, some of that is around the options that he's got in front of him and, and our defensive midfield you know, look, we've been lacking options there and we've been working on, you know, if, if the fact that we're relying on a 19-year-old or however old Liam Gibbs is doesn't, you know, that tells you everything you need to know about um, the fact that we haven't got strength in depth there or that we've signed injured players there. Um, so, look, that's not purely on him. Six isn't a bad rating. Six, six is just run of the mill, isn't it? But I think, you know, he's been poor in some areas and he's been brilliant in others. I mean, you know, he cleared one off the line with his bollocks the other day. So, you know, mm. that's... That's clearly yeah, that, that, amazing that, and putting it all I, on the I line. Think, I think what is, I think the, the elements that have gone well this season, the, the difference with me between sixes and sevens is, have you know, have you had an impact on the good stuff and has has a lot of the bad stuff been your fault? And maybe we disagree on whether or not he how, how culpable he has been for, for some of those elements. Um, I then, think just on that though, quickly, there's there's been lead a into, lead into Ben Gibson with this. Well, I was going to say I there's been relevant. A, there's a lot of times where our defence has looked at sixes and sevens this mm. season, especially maybe at nil-nils where it's like, oh, shit, this looks a bit shaky. And I think Hanley's been part of that this season. I think with with Ben Gibson, it is very 
I think I've said it on this pod before, it's very, very difficult to judge him on the limited football that he's had. And the game where he was thrust back into it with no level of football, you know, barely any preseason, and, and then just like, right, you're kind of barely fit and Hanley's been sent off, so you're going to have to play, mate. It is really harsh on him. I, I think you probably give him a five because he was poor, you know, when he, he was thrust into that situation. But I'd expect a lot more from him. And I would expect that if Hanley is ever injured or suspended again and Gibson is sharp and has been, you know, kind of has been on it in, in training and um, is anywhere near the levels that he was two years ago, I really like him as a foil from Abamadeli. I think I've said this again on the pod before. I think they could be the most effective partnership in defence, um, maybe longer term. So, yeah, he's a five for now, but I think there's a lot more to come from him if we need him. And that's the big if at the moment. So moving across to the problem area, the, 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 the <laughs> difficult the difficult child of, of left-back. Um, now, so many people have played there, and I don't think really many of the early early incantations uh, of the people who have been there can really be rated because, you know, Sorensen looked poor uh, in centre midfield, which is a shame because we really, really want him to look great. He seems such a great guy. And then, you know, Left back, we're thinking, oh, there you go. What what a trooper! He's he's kind of slotted in there. Um, happy days. So, I always feel like he hasn't had enough football to to be rated beyond maybe a six, simply because he would have been a five going on the centre midfield performances, and then a seven for a bit of left back elements. So, so I, I kind of settle on a settle on five or yeah, five for him maybe, or maybe a, maybe a six. And then likewise the um uh. You know, Dimmy, um, it's not enough football to, to, no. to be able to... Same to with McCallum as well, really. You know, Same they've... with McCallum, who played for about 40 minutes or whatever to- total across those two, <laughs> two games. Um, and then that kind of brings us on to Gibbs, who, um, you know, I, I would say is probably an eight, um, approaching an eight and a half, if we're allowed to do halves. Because yeah, go on. It, let's go eight and a half. And, and I'll give you the half for, for the... The, the kind of feels, you know, the, 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 the unexpected element of we hoped you might be good. You actually looked a bit tasty in pre-season, but then, you know, lots of people look tasty in pre-season and, and, and fail to, to do it on the big stage, um, Jollis. And you just, you just think, well, actually, um, this, is, uh, this is fantastic. We've got this, another young guy who really looks so assured on the ball in centre midfield and he may well be that he is part of the the long-term solution to how we play so 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 yeah eight and a half for Gibbs really really confident that great to hear last night from Deeney uh that uh he uh he isn't going to be out as long as the left backs um and he doesn't need surgery so hopefully we'll have him back kind of early winter and that could be that could be massive for 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 a centre midfield, which seems to me to be something that we're going to have to rotate all season. I think we're going to have to manage the situation until the World Cup break, aren't we? Really, because Hayden, look, let's be honest, he's back on the grass. They haven't said he's back kicking footballs yet, so you know he's way off being able to to play ninety minutes. And you know it, it might be that there's a number of cameos before he's up to speed. Uh, going back to Gibbs, I get your logic in terms of eight and a half. And I get, I think maybe he's been given extra points because he's young and he's a youth player. And actually it was nice that we nicked him off Ipswich. And, you know, it's a lovely story. I think there's been some naivety around his performances. I think there's been a lot of energy and industry around his performances. Really reminds me of, um, what's his name? Corey Smith 
Yeah. When he kind of came through in that that Lambert team and just looks like he has a lot about him and never really does anything massively expansive, but does everything simply and well. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, that you need players like that, especially at the base of your midfield. So I'd probably have, if we were talking in halves, I'd have given him a seven and a half. But I think there's so much more to come from him. And if we can get him fit and firing and understand that there's going to be an inconsistency because of, you know, he's a youth player, that we've got a real, hopefully we've got a real gem on our hands. And it's really nice actually to see that there are younger players coming through that have either been signed by this regime or who have come through with this regime because the, the, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a lazy comparison, but but all the success stories, say your you know your Maxes, your Jamal Lewis's, your Todd, your Ben Godfrey's, were all in the building when Stuart Webber took over. But that's that's changing now, and I think maybe we're we're getting some of the fruits of of that labour. And look, you know we've we've been critical of Stuart Webber on this podcast a lot, you know, in terms of transfer activity, but he has laid some really good foundations, and and hopefully these young lads coming through are will make us a load of money and will improve us as a team moving forward. And talking of transfer activity, um, if we look, if we continue kind of talking in the middle of the pitch as we start to, with Gibbs took us from left back to, to the middle. Um, let's talk about Nunez and, and Sara. So Nunez for me, I would I would go eight um, and Sara I would go six. Now Nunez for eight is because I think he's already shown just similar to what I'm saying about Andy O, even in just these first few games, I think Nunez has showed us what he could be. And I, now I've seen him, and I've seen some of what he can do, I no longer think the Emi Buendia uh, comparison is unfair or unrealistic. Not necessarily in terms of um, his career path or what's going to happen with him, but he, some of the things that he does on the ball are exactly what Emmy used to do. Completely unnecessary back heel and twist and turn to beat a play when he could have just turned and passed it. Same <laughs> same end result, but much more entertaining to watch. Scooped balls over the top to flop it in behind for, for someone to run onto, which is very Brendia-esque. Unbelievable. Flop it, flop it, flop it in. in, Tom. Go on. Flop, flop it in. I, mean, I, can't, I can't do it the way that he can with, with the top of his foot. Um, These raking balls, kind of um, crookie-esque um, laces, passes across the pitch which one was, was was terrible last night, but a couple were really nice second half. And just the, the, the he's got a smilier enthusiasm than the angry enthusiasm that the Emmy play, plays, or I'll say played, because he doesn't play anymore, does he? Um, he's on the bench at Villa. But um, yeah, so I, I think the sky could be the limit for him, or rather an Emmy Brendier-shaped sky could be the limit for him. Um, he was abysmal first half yesterday. I mean, he was really bad. <laughs> He gave the ball away so many times and it was really odd watching someone who has been so impressive. And then the second half, he was back to kind of the new years. We, we, we knew him banging these brilliant balls around. Sarah, I think six because, you know, he's looked fine when he's come on. He's looked tidy. He doesn't look like a shocking signing in the, in the small things he's, he's done so far. He looks strong and he looks like he does want to progress the ball. And he looks like his positioning is very, very good um, without the ball. Um, However, we haven't seen anywhere near enough of a sample size and you would hope that his cameos would kind of get bigger. They seem to be getting smaller, which is the only concern with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the look of him technically. I think, you know, whenever he's received the ball, whenever, as you say, positionally, you know, the, the way in which he's 
he shaped his body to receive the ball sometimes encourages me. And I, that's a weird thing to say about a player sometimes, but actually uh, those initial moments where you're forming opinions and and the way in which he's he's gone about his business has, has looked good, but he hasn't had anywhere near enough football to say, right, well, you know, he could be a steal or well, he's not. He's a record signing, isn't he, pretty much? But my worry with him is I don't see where he fits in our midfield right now. And he looks like the type of player who needs to be super sharp to be making a meaningful difference. Because those those YouTube highlights that you sometimes watch, you know, back in Brazilian football, there was a lot of kind of ghosting runs in the box and headers and, you know, kind of playing not necessarily with massively high energy, but certainly higher energy than than the colleagues around him. It, it, almost he was billed as a box-to-box midfielder with lots of industry. And he hasn't done that yet for me. And I think may, maybe he needs a lot more fitness before he does that. But, you know, look, we're judging him when he'd had an injury and he's feeling his way back in. And I think... In the, a new country, in a new team. Exactly. And the noises out of the training ground are, this guy has it. And the guy who definitely has it as well, as you've just said, is, is you know, kind of Marcelino Nunez. He, it is ridiculous that we are completely reliant on him as a playmaker when he's only been here for, what, four weeks or whatever it is. Um, he's a better set piece taker than Emi Buendia by oh, an yeah. absolute it's mile. Not you know, it's not you know, <laughs> so, you know, the, that's already, you know, kind of a, a really, it's a huge weapon in, in our armoury. Um, and there are, you know... When he when we signed him and Adam Brandon was on this pod saying, look, he's he's not an Emmy Buendia, but there's so much similarity in terms of the way in which he plays and the freedom with which he plays and the, the expansiveness with which he plays. I mean, you know, he tried a, a lob from his own half. I can't remember which game that was in. It might have been in one of the cup games. Yeah, and you just think time, yeah. he sees things that other players don't see. And so I'm fully prepared to take the, you know, maybe chucking in a half where everything he does doesn't come off. Because actually we know that there are going to be more halves of football where nearly everything he does comes off and he plays with it or he expresses himself in such a way that just makes Norwich tick. And we need that with the with the players that we've got, you know, with Pookie if he's if he's going to be our striker or, or if it's going to be Josh Sargent. It doesn't really matter who it is, they're still going to need decent service, be it aerially or, or along the ground. And and he looks like he's the one who can make that happen um, you know, more than anyone else really. Okay then. So this is one where we might be the furthest apart. Can you clean? <laughs> I, I hand you the floor. Um look, I think we all regular listeners of this podcast will know I'm not, not the biggest fan of Kenny Mack in the Premier League. And I think he's one of these guys that runs around a lot, points a lot, shouts a lot, and managers like him because he does lots of the things that managers like. Um, he has performed really ably when he's deputised at left back and better than I had thought he would. And the fact that we had a left footer out there gave us a better balance to the side than maybe say when, you know, Sorensen was out there. Um, I think in midfield when he doesn't, defensively, if he is the linchpin, I, I don't feel like we're very well balanced as a, as a team and I, he can't be the sitting midfielder for my money. I just don't think he's got that to do it on his own. Put him alongside an Ollie Skip, you put him alongside a, an Alex Tetty, 
No problem. Sarah, if he's thinking. fit and fine. Yeah, or Hayden when he's back. I, I think that, you know, that's, if he's that's back. perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, that's one of those gets the World Cup and then hopefully he's, he's sharp after that. But I don't know. With, with Kenny, he hasn't massively impressed me this season. He's been fine, like six and a half, maybe. Like he's been, he's been fine. There's been games where I think he's, he's done enough and he's looked okay. And there's been games where, you know, Kenny has a couple of brain farts as Kenny does. And then, you know, it, it puts us into trouble. He is a perfectly capable performer at this level. And I've got no issue with him being in the team. I don't see him as a starter when everyone is fit. I just I don't see how he gets in a team where you're playing four three three with him as the defensive midfielder. Four three three, quite possibly. Um, however, I think one of the reasons you end up with Kenny in the team is going back to your kind of manager's point. I mean, he was it, um, Deeney uh, referred to. Um, you shouldn't. If only, if only our listeners could see that cheeky little smile. That you, <laughs> if you hadn't mentioned you didn't like it, I wouldn't keep doing it. Um, it's if, not that I don't like it. I just think you sound like a bit of a bell end when you're saying it, mate. So well, exactly, carry on. And um, it's on brand. Yeah, fine. Yes, exactly. So Deanery said, um, Deania said that uh, he had a bit of a um, pen knife utility utensil or whatever in in um, Surinson. And actually, I think that's Kenny. I think you know we, there was some fantastic quotes from O'Neill last night saying when you know when Dean. Smith told him he was out of the team. You know, I want to be celebrating in May. You know, playing me wherever is going to mean that we get promoted. Um, and I always think that that Kenny shows that on the pitch. Kenny shows he will fill in and play at left back, and and he, he was great. You know, at left back, we, we won back to back games with him at left back. Um, and last night against um, Birmingham, he were before the changes, which were very sorely needed and left far too long. Obviously, it wasn't because we won. We got the three points. But, you know, that it, it didn't, shouldn't have been as, as hairy as it was because we should have made the changes sooner. Um, he was the one trying to progress up the pitch. He was the one trying to carry the ball. Um, and I, I, I think that that, that, goes, that, goes, that goes kind of overlooked a lot by by his detractors so we'll we'll agree on a seven for him so that's great six and a um, half yeah let's get, agree on a seven so um you can, Dan, ra- you can round up if you want mate it's your podcast yeah. you're the host yeah. do it like. daniel sonani mixed Ooh, bag that's, had, that's we been a good doing, had we been doing this a week ago i think he might be a whole mark higher mm. but i think he's played his way out of uh the, the starting 11 in the last two games yeah he's so an I, interesting I'm, one i'm, I'm, I'm good for him i'm gonna go I'm going to go six and a half because we've said we can do halves because six seems a bit too harsh because he has done some really good things, yeah. but there's no way he's a seven because I don't think he's going to start Saturday against Coventry. I'd have been tempted to give him a seven just because I think if you look at this and you look at his numbers, then he's he's probably done enough to merit that. But if we're going on recency bias, I can absolutely see why we might go with a, a six and a half. Um His delivery into the box looks really good. The fact that he's able to just feed a pass into good areas I really like I don't and this maybe kind of extends into the conversation about Kieran Dow um, and Sonali don't quite know if we're getting the best out of those two and whether the system lends itself to those two being at their kind of optimal output and the reason I say this is that Sonali is kind of getting played maybe as you know kind of a a false 10 or a wide 10 and and Dow is getting played as like a, a wide eight 
I wonder whether we could just swap them. Dow for me looks way more effective when he's higher up the pitch. Agreed, yeah. And he's not getting that at the moment. I think he's and a he's, straight up 10. I think he's a straight up 10 yeah, and that's where he needs, I, to I agree. he needs to be in the middle of the pitch. But but if the system doesn't accommodate that, then I think we need to play him as a wide 10. Um, and then and then Dowell is the same. Oh, sorry, yeah, you know, kind of Sonani maybe needs to be further back. And you can almost just throw Todd into that mix as well because Todd is playing, you know, kind of as that 4-3-3, three, three, sorry, in the three in the middle of the park, almost like Grealish did for Villa. That might be a lazy comparison because of the haircuts and you know and and the perhaps the strops and all the rest of it. But you know, I think that is what Dean Smith is trying to get out of him. Is but again, I think Todd would be more effective higher up the pitch and, yeah. and would you know you'd so Todd I, needs to I start. just Todd needs to just, start on Saturday. I, I cannot I, understand what I can't. But I don't, but I, I don't know if he warrants team. it. I don't know if he warrants it yet. His performance is tailed off. I think you know Smith was clear with him that you know look you've had a, a couple of not stinkers, but you know there's other people knocking on the door. Um, but I think we just haven't got that mix right. We haven't got the midfield mix right. And and whether no. Hayden unlocks that, or whether you know a consistent I can't see how Gibbs Hayden helps fixes the it. people in front of him though. No, I mean, but I, I wonder he, whether he, he might just resolve. He might resolve that it's a McLean and Hayden. But it might be to. a bit more assurance, shall we say, than, than well, maybe, saying a McLean maybe, gives you defensively. Yeah, maybe you're happier to have Toddy. But I mean, I, I would see. I would I would set Todd at a seven because yeah, that's that's because fair. because he has shown that he does want to play in the championship. And even last mm-hmm. night, he was given far too much of a bit part. He should have been on the pitch earlier last night. I would have started him, but he should have been on the pitch definitely earlier, at least, crying out for someone to get hold of the ball. And do I didn't something. see the game. What time did he do the subs? And yeah, how much was it into Tom losing his shit with Farker kind of subs? You know, like um, oh, it, it was sixty, but it should have been forty-five. I mean, it was it was it was abundant. You're never obvious. happy with when subs are made, are you? Sixty um, is no, perfectly reasonable. I, I think you'll find that uh, Lambert quite often would have bring a sub on before I before I'd realise it needed to happen. <laughs> I, I, I think Lambert was the best at subs that we've that we've seen manager wise. He, he he so often changed the game with substitutes. And made them early and made them aggressively. But but Smith has done that over the last you know few Smith games has, as well. He's in the last two games. Smith has corrected bad lineup choices. Um, and or he's and influenced games and he's he's played players on merit and then he's influenced. No, but he's played players on merit. Yeah. I think he's played players on merit, which I've got no issue with. And then actually, when you see that maybe it's not quite working, you change it. We've yeah, got and, so and, many and options. I applaud, I applaud him for um, getting four wins in a row. Cannot complain at all. We've been second in the league four wins in a row. The the only point I'm making is I completely agree as well on the merit, um, but I think last night was a step too far on the merit for some players. So I think Sonani has has been tailing off to a point where mm-hmm. he, he needs to come out now. To to the whereas there are a couple of other players like a Todd, like an O'Neill, where they only seem to need to have a bad thirty minutes, and that's enough to decide that the merit's gone. Like at what point does the merit balance kind of run down? Um, so I I completely agree that it's and this goes back to the what we were saying right at the start of the season about having five substitutes when you are one of the better squads in the league really really so if you're if you are a, a bigger team in terms of um, wages and depth of squad in uh, any league you play in whether it be Sunday League or the Premier League or the Champions League and if someone gives you the opportunity to make five corrections changes improvements however you view it point is that it benefits you and other managers have mentioned it a couple of times already this season before last night you know when Norwich have got the bench they've got it's very tricky for our lads to be able to 
um, to, to keep to keep their levels when they're able to bring in championship winning caliber players who have been there, seen it, done it, who have then also got that motivation of I shouldn't have been sub, I'll show you. Um, for me, Pookie has to start. Todd has to start Saturday because I think we're just so much better with them on the pitch. Maybe you've done your. Maybe you've you've done your. I'm in charge, and you're, unless you play brilliantly. What do you do with Sarge then? If you're bit. starting Pookie, what do you do with Sarge? Yeah, I think I think Sarge has now got the confidence to be able to to perform in that role to to the level that um, it, Sarge's best position is through the middle, but he's still not as good at it as Pookie. And so, are you I'm, saying you'd play him as a wide right forward? And yeah, then now, now we start got, Pookie. Now we haven't got to worry about Rashika anymore because he's he's, he's so are you far playing, up everyone. Are you playing Todd through the middle? Yeah. And who are you playing up in that other three? No, I'd play Todd out wide the other side and I'd play I'd play okay. Nunez and I'd play Nunez in a ten. Oh you're going for a ten. Okay. Ten ish sort of position behind Pookie. And I would say to Nunez and Todd, you do whatever you want. Um Sarge, I want you out wide. But if we okay, so if we talked practically and we said that Dean Dean Smith is not gonna play a four two three one, which is what you're advocating, and he's gonna play a four three three without a ten. So we Back if you play Pookie, you play a four-two-three-one. That's how. But, that's how but, Pookie gets going. But he won't do that. But he won't do that. Um, he will if he plays whoever he plays up front. He will continue with a four-three-three. So if we say Pookie is the forward, Sergeant is the the right-sided forward, and Todd is the left-sided forward. Um, Kenny picks himself at, at the base of the midfield because you know just by virtue of the fact that he's he the only defensive-minded <laughs> midfielder that's available, and he points a lot. Um, Nunez absolutely. Picks himself. Yeah. Um, who is your other midfielder? Well, depending on fitness and their numbers, they they talk about numbers a lot, don't they? Um, they like numbers, yeah. And output. I would I would like to see I would like to see Sarah, um, but it okay. may well, but it may well be it may well be um, I'd be happy with Dowell. I'd be happy with Sarah. I'd be happy with Sonani. If you can, if he if he can find a way of getting Sonani and Campwell in the team at the same time. I actually think that might be the thing that unlocks our balance because I like mm. that. I, I, there were there were periods in our when we started the season and the, the good bits were when they were both on form on the pitch at the same time. Can I, so I, can they, I just they, throw something into the mix? All since then, haven't they? So that means that you're not starting Hernandez. Yeah, I think Hernandez is is, is yeah. a is an impact sub that comes on at sixty minutes on the dot every game. I, I think I think he starts. On Saturday, I think Dean Smith cannot not start him now. I think I think he played. I think the likelihood here is he probably plays where you've put Todd instead of and Dow. Todd. Maybe um, no. I think Todd might might drop back into the midfield and replace Dow, and then you'd have Hernandez further forward as part of the front three rather than the midfield three because Dow's so, been playing in that midfield three. Hernandez, Pookie. So Hernandez, Pookie, Sarge across the front. Yeah, uh, and then the middle three is McLean. Todd Nunez. and Nunez. I mean, it's hyper attacking. It's hi- it's hyper attacking, but we've got Coventry who should be pretty fit because because they they can't be tired. Yeah, played three games. Yeah, are they playing tonight? Or am I dreaming that? Have they got a game tonight? I haven't looked. I haven't got. I mean, the, we uh, don't do that level of research on this podcast. No. Well, no, normally I do, but I didn't think we were going to do much on anyone other than the players' ratings. Which, by the way, we've just completely gone away for. Yeah. We should probably have a structure as there's only two of us. Uh, Coventry mm-hmm. fixtures. I I'll just look this up in my mind. Uh, they're playing Preston today, so that'll be nil-nil. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, they're, they're playing Preston. Uh, uh, well, it's at home, so are they allowed to play at home yet? I don't really know. I don't know what's going Cause, on. Because they've not... They, they, yeah, because their pitch was an absolute disgrace, wasn't it? 
Um, well, they've got a win probability of 43%, according to the internet. I don't know where that's come from. Okay. Well, anyway, going back to our... So going, we, we've picked the team for, for Saturday. Going back to our ratings then, um, as a com- completest thing, Sarge, you've got to go nine. You've got to. Ooh, I, I, you've yeah. got to go eight. You've got to go eight. You've got to go nine. You've got to go eight. You've got to go I'm eight. Going at, I'm going eight. Because I, I'm because looking at looking at these numbers as I'm writing them down, I, can, I do. Can think I also can I also just say that Josh Sargent t-shirts are available on the inter, on the internet. Alongcomenorris.com. Alongcomenorris.com. Sarge on the sleeve, which was a, a, a piggy pasty suggestion. It was it was your idea, and they're available to pre-order until this Friday at midday. So get yours now. Don't delay. Daniel Sonani, I'm actually going to give him a seven point five because. Uh, he has been a pleasant surprise. I didn't think he would. Hang on, off, you, off didn't you just go six and a half? I've gone seven and a half because I've just I've just remembered back to the earlier t- times in the season. I was suffering from my own recency bias. Uh, earlier in the season, like the best bits of Cardiff involved Tanani, the best bits of Wigan involved Tanani. You know, he was really. Yeah, good yeah, I, that I don't disagree. And I think yeah. you know he was he was. Did he hang on? Did he play in those games? I thought he played in the cup and, and, and then last, he started to and last night, He's been really good when he was in the, the start. Last line, night, everyone other than Max was dreadful for 45 minutes last night. Even Kenny didn't play well in the first half I, last night. I didn't see last night, I only saw the goals. I was watching the, the women. No, I, I, who, had a, seen, who had a tremendous result, 7 0 last well night. Done. Well done, them. Bournemouth is the only game I haven't seen every minute of so far this season. Um, so, Pookie, I'm going to give a six. Yeah, that's fair. Because he is comfortably, I mean, form-wise, he's probably a five in terms you, of what you he could, could argue do. he's a five. But I'm I going think... six because he has been involved and and made such a difference. And I, I can't believe yeah. he doesn't start. The last so. the last two games he's come on and he's he's made a tangible difference to the way in which we've looked at or the attacking force that we've been. And he gets the assist for the winner last night with a really intelligent ball and a really well weighted ball through to Hernandez, where Hernandez. Didn't have to do much to finish that. Just, I mean, he barely slotted it in the corner. He just slotted it early, which was, you know, probably so just need, beat the keeper in itself. We need a number for Toddy. Todd seven. Yeah, I think, I think, I think he, I think he'd been on the pitch more. He might be higher, which means yeah. our top, our top three so far through the season is Max, Nunez, and Sarge. Which, you know, I'm pretty comfortable that we have we rated that everyone. Oh, hang we on, we've on? got Gibbs. We've got Gibbs as well. We've got Gibbs. Onel. Uh, no, we haven't given O'Neill. We haven't given O'Neill a number. I think O'Neill's got to be an eight, hasn't he? Yeah, I think. It, also, just from an unexpected s- surprise point of view, because look, I think before this season, I was quite critical of the lad and and felt like he celebrated our last title win hard when I didn't think he'd done enough to to really, you know, um, get the credit. You know, he wasn't a, a major part of that team. He was a major part of twenty eighteen nineteen. You know, it would be pure revisionism to to write him out of that. He's got a lot to offer at this level, and they they were talking about it on I think it was Michael Bailey's video actually last night after the game. He was he was almost suggesting that we don't need to worry about the Premier League. Let's just worry about the Championship. And if Onel Hernandez is an effective performer in the Championship and gets you to where you want to be, well, let's worry about that in the summer. And, and yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Well, next part I want to talk about whether or not we need a PL2 and the fact that that actually looking at the table um, last night is the first time, you know, sitting in second, is the first time I actually had a pang of, I don't know if I want to go up. But um, I think we don't need a PL2. We need a, a more effective way to redistribute the wealth from the Premier League down into the pyramid. Yeah, but that's and then it's all that. fixed, isn't that's it? A whole other, that's a well, whole other We need to get someone who understands football wealth better than you and I on to talk about that. So that's 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 a target we can set ourselves. 
Uh, I mean, it's not much of a target to find. Sorry, knows more about anyone. Just walk across is, the street, mate. It's no, fine. My point is, let's actually get to someone who, in some way, for a little yeah, yeah. does it. Um, Bailey pro- uh, owes us owes us a pod, so let's see if we can get him on. Um, right, let's have a couple of guarantees for Saturday. So a guaranteed scoreline and a guaranteed scorer, please, Jonathan Punty Punty Punty. Uh, I'm going to say this will be the first time this season where we will effectively just dispatch a team. I think mm. we're going to win four nil. And I think that Tammy Pookie is going to return to goal-scoring form and he's going to get a brace. I love that. Um, my guarantee is a clean sheet and a walk in the park. I'm going to go 6-0. Six. Nil, six. Uh, and I'm going, to guarantee, I'm going to double guarantee a, two, a, a Tammy Pookie brace. Lovely. There so you go. It's locked in. It's locked the in. Joy- it's, it's absolutely going to happen. The joy of six and a brace. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, so, uh, punt, I acknowledge you exist. Everyone enjoy the game on Saturday. Um, it's almost now guaranteed to be a 1 0 defeat. <laughs> um, we've now, you know, effectively, as far as we're concerned, we've, we've spelled out how well everyone has played so far. I mean, not as far as. Oh, we've I'm definitely concerned. missed people as well. We've definitely we missed have, players. We, we've probably missed players because, you know, the science was, was a, a note, notepad. And even though we talked about O'Neill, we forgot to give him a number until you remembered at the end. So, um, you know, the good news is accuracy has never been a particularly important uh, part of, of yeah, this podcast. Fair. Absolutely. Um, I will uh, look forward to chopping it up with you again soon, Punt. Everyone enjoy the game Saturday and mind how you go. Hold up. 